Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. Man, this is going to be a fun show today. You reckon? I don't know, but this is unique about today's show is that usually I come in here with a shitload of notes and stuff to talk about in the event that we run out of stuff. Oh, you're being me today? You're winging it? I'm just winging it, man. So hopefully you guys are, are ready to go today. <laughs> okay. So, it's never been terribly hard to come up with topics or to kill time, but yeah, it's true. the listener doesn't Hey, so uh, Troy has the curtain open behind us. Cool little studio here in the middle of Berea, Kentucky. And um, he has been closing the curtain the last few weeks, but it's open now. So you can look out onto Broadway. And I always picture myself like Chris in Northern Exposure who did the DJ show as <laughs> people right. walk by. Except today, I see your Mercedes Benz with a convertible that's down in very cloudy skies. I'm going to be rooting in the next hour for rain. Because it's going to be funny to watch your face, man. If I had a dollar for every time I sprinted out of my office in Richmond to go put a top up. But no, that's the reason, actually, that the curtains are open. I told Troy, I said, look, if it's raining, I'm going to have to sprint out of here. So Ray and Dave are going to have to hold the show for about two minutes while I'm out here putting up this manual so bin stop. I know what Aaron and Dan at Bad Wolf are paying us. How the hell are you driving her? Mercedes Benz. You know what? I'm going to shock you with the fact that this isn't my full-time gig. The, the, the co-creator of Extreme Common Sense does not somehow pay my mortgage. I wish it did. It's a nice car. Is this one of your deals? You're wheeling and dealing? I actually, yeah. I just wanted something to play with. So it's older. It's like an 81. Just something I could throw money into. They hold the value, though, don't they? They do, yeah. I, I shouldn't lose anything on it. But it's it's a cool old car. Yeah. I'm going to throw some like old factory chrome rims on it and I just mean, drive around. I mean, that car is the bomb. Is that an 81? Wow, 81. Yeah, yeah. And how many miles? Uh, it's like 150. It's got a lot of miles, but it came with like an encyclopedia. It's actually not for an 81. Yeah, it's like 5,000. Oh, encyclopedia maintenance? Of, of everything that's ever been done to it. Oh. So it's like this huge book of every oil change. And I'm like, I've never seen anything like that. know a guy like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty good. We'll talk about that later. So we have no topic today. We, we don't, although I did bring in something that I think will spur a good discussion. So we can... I can tell it now, and it's okay. you and me, or we can wait, bring our guest, chat with him, and and then I could. Yeah, well, I figured you guys are going to talk a little Berea College because Dave's a proud alum. Oh, proud glad alum. to hear that. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. Talk a little Berea College, and nice. I'll say I'll take a seat back, but I won't. No, you I'll you answer. will not. So, uh, uh, well, is what you're telling us germane to Berea College or something mm, different? Not even the slightest thing. It's more political. Oh yeah, well we'll wait. Once you guys chat Berea College a little bit, then we'll start off on political. Man, sounds great. So should we mention the sponsors and then bring in yeah, Dave? Yeah, mention the sponsors and bring Dave in. Okay, and uh, would you like to tell the folks who Dave is before we do the sponsors? Uh, an old buddy of mine, Matt Working Radio. I think he can tell the story better than I can. September 11th, I believe, 01 is the day we met when he came by to see if they needed another hand at the radio station. I think I'm right on that. And we've known each other for 20 years. Man, that's awesome. He's a little bit younger than me, but yeah. I, think he, I think he looks at me like a father figure. 
<laughs> we can ask him, but you know, I think most guys that are younger than you that, that meet you really just sort of idolize you and put you on well, that pedestal. Oh, oh so. he's certainly in that. Yes. No, yeah. That's, that's a hundred. I, you don't even ask that. Yeah. No, that's, I, that's a guarantee. He's just, be, you know, he's when he's by me, that happens. Well, and if memory serves, he actually was going to change his last name to white think, just in your honor. I think that's, that is, I think that is right. And then he thought it was a tad racist. Okay. I could see that. Well, these days you never know. No. You know, you have to be cautious. All right. Should we? Uh, oh, uh, so thanks, sponsors, and we'll invite Dave in. Yep. Sounds great. So, uh, of course, our buddies at Bad Wolf Gaming, I've got to stop by again. I haven't stopped by in a few weeks. I know. I, I, I text need to Dan see off, and I'm stopping by, and then I sometimes don't. Ah, nice. But uh, yeah, we, and we definitely have to go play some D&D. But, well, uh, that, and he's got a couple of, uh, you know, gaming machines now where you can. Oh, that's fun. Machines that aren't illegal and aren't quite legal. like quote gambling so yeah yeah they there's a little gray machines. area there but there's like a game of chance that doesn't quite make it fully it's it's slightly gray but the kentucky legislature opted not to make them illegal so he's, nice. he's cool it's not like he's doing anything illegal and they're fun yeah. games well yeah so and check, you can check win those out yeah, oh that's awesome actual cash yeah i'm a big fan of that stuff yeah i mean not too big like i'm not a you no, know you, you'll i don't need it. help but i enjoy yeah, it yeah it's fun yeah he's got two now Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so swing up to Bad Wolf Gaming in Berea, 711 Chestnut Street. Follow them on Facebook uh, and give them a call. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, Dan and Nasa at 859-646-6061. And then, of course, our buddy Aaron at Berea Pond. Have you been by lately? Have you been by yet? Uh, been by. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But I haven't been by recently. Yeah, I went by Saturday, and they were getting they had like 10 new pallets of Walmart stuff Like while I was there. like They were unloading a truck. So... And that's the cool thing. Like their stock is always changing. Like they got a ton of furniture, but like a lot of unused things from these big box stores that go unsold, they have to go somewhere. So one of those places is Berea Pond. So it's a lot of cool. Yeah. So you go in there and you buy like off lots and big lots. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Almost exactly. It's like big lots, but more fun because stuff's a little cheaper and you know, you can wheel and deal and they're super nice in there and it's a pawn shop and it's, it's a cool store. Crypto mine computers. And you can check out the freaking crypto mine. Yeah. Where else in town you going to go pawn crypto buy some furniture and see a crypto farm so that's pretty awesome all right and you gotta do our yeah check them out buckshot and lead.com and if you're here locally it's 107 clay drive in berea in the old iga building if you're old like me and you happen to remember that so check out our buddy aaron at berea pond yeah you will not regret it and i think uh with that we're gonna bring in dave oh Dave. God, I love old time Dave. radio. It's like 1940s. And uh, I like Crosby. It. All right, here we go here. looks like. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for, hey, uh, thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. So uh, we're on. And this- I guess we are talking Berea College. David has a, 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 a what looks to be a coffee table book. Man, that's a nice book. That's well, cool. I wanted, to, I wanted to get the dates right. That's nice. very cool. Berea College Illustrated History. That's nice. Very cool. It was written by a friend of mine, Shannon Wilson. Oh, oh very cool. nice. Works in the library in Berea. Oh, nice. Awesome. So um, when did you go? Did we, did we overlap by chance? Uh, well, I graduated in 2000, 96 to 2000. When, oh, when were you there? man, yes. Yeah, so we would have overlapped just by a minute. I think I was fall of 99 is when I showed up. Oh, that's what, interesting. Yeah. yeah. By, the, by, the, by my senior year, I didn't deal with anybody that i didn't already know oh yeah so, no i don't think we would have hung out no. uh, but yeah definitely uh let's go so we we passed uh we passed like two ships in the night yeah you did and and uh, our engineer troy is a break cop yeah that's right man you're kind of the odd man out I am. you yeah. and your new england education yeah, new, jersey, new, jersey. <laughs> new jersey oh new jersey oh okay did, did you see the name of the show uh, last week i named it uh for nate to put online 
Ray is from New Jersey. No, I didn't see that. No, that's the one that'll drop tomorrow. Uh, actually, he dropped uh, this morning. This is Thursday. He he flew on. to Paris. He dropped it a day early. Paris. So it is available. Not Kentucky. Not Kentucky. No. The Paris. No, I didn't see it yet. Yeah. I'll look right now. That's funny. Yeah, well, well like Ray say, I have known him for 20 years, and he is extremely proud of the fact that he's from New Jersey. That's Yeah, like, well, sort of, if you've listened, and I think you have listened to the show some, sort of, I go to a lot and didn't realize, sort of, I don't want to say a crutch, but I do reference a lot, that I did grow up pretty poor. And then, so, as much as I do that, or close, at least, Ray certainly mentions his uh, New Jersey. <laughs> roots kind of an inside oh, show joke yeah, he said to me one time uh i'm sure you hear my accent and think i'm i'm, I'm pretty smart and i said yeah you're smart enough to leave new jersey and come to kentucky <laughs> that, and then i said to another friend of ours in radio todd cheney one time i said come on todd you gotta admit when you hear an accent like like mine you think hey, he's probably just a little bit smarter than me and he said he said you know cheney and he said no i think i better hold on to my wallet which that was pretty funny that is pretty funny so, Berea College, it's got quite a history. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <clears throat> the, the cool thing about Berea, just like Tristan said, we all grew up relatively poor. And so it's it's almost like a, being in a, a fraternity or sorority. You, you run into Berea grads and you automatically have a connection. Right. Because you know what each other went through. I mean, right. When I was a student, <clears throat> you know, like, like college students, you, you want to party and whatnot, but going to a bar every two months was a big deal. Sure. Uh, we actually had dances on campus. Oh yeah. Those were fun because nobody could go anywhere. Uh, so it's, it's a very unique, very special place. Is it pretty well locked down when you say couldn't go anywhere? No, you could go, no, you just, could go but nobody had money to go. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. It was a lot yeah. easier. Yeah. Well, and that was the nice thing for me is because again, you mentioned the poor thing and Berea college, you know, they base a lot of who they accept on financial need. Yes. So you're, Smart and broke, basically. Yeah. Well, it's, it's everybody's based on the financial need. I had a, I had a friend in uh, college. We snuck in a couple of baseball players, but for the <laughs> most part, yes, that is correct. Well, I, I had a friend in college who uh, had nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. She Everything she bought from toothpaste to every bit of clothing, school supplies, everything came from her co- job on campus. How about that? Yeah, and uh, and did pretty well. I mean, she did well for herself. By, by the time she was a senior, she had an off-campus apartment, which was a little bit nicer than my house was. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great opportunity. Plus, have you the, kept in touch with her? What she do today? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. They haven't with her, but I'm, you know, most of my friends came. Yeah, my time at Berea, uh, and I, I most I've met or most I know are six, you know, successful. And everybody has to have a job on campus, right? Yeah. So, everybody. what were your jobs? Uh, my freshman year, I worked in the library in the basement, uh, which was terrible. <laughs> uh, it was only it's terrible for me because I'm an extrovert and I'm sitting in the basement of a library oh, yeah. newspapers. Oh, right, right, yeah, right. But, but then uh, my sophomore year, I moved to the printing press. So for, for uh, two years, I ran a printing press on campus. Nice. And then my senior year, I, I was a teacher's aide. So uh, these jobs, they are or are not paying you? That's part of the They tuition? are. It's kind of half and half. So you get paid... But you're paid like three bucks an hour, and the rest goes to it's okay. part of your tuition. So it gives you a your, little bit of money in right. your pocket. And in this, uh, well, you're you're technically paid minimum wage, right? And then a percentage of that goes toward your student account or your they don't call it tuition, but your gotcha. your education. So what was your job? I started out in food service, which is the bottom. So that's like that's where nobody wants to work. So you're flipping omelets. I think that's the bottom of the library. First thing. Ooh, I don't know, man. I, w- I would have traded for library. I think. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm you, glad I wasn't. You did not want food service. <laughs> no, uh, so started at food service uh, semester, semester and a half there. And I went over and after that it was cake. I became a janitor in a girl's dorm and the janitor jobs were great because it wasn't a two hour clock in clock out. It was, you go do your job. So that was nice. I yep. love being a janitor. And then after that, I went over to the world famous Boone Tavern Oh, nice! and I was a server. So I got actual tips and real money to oh, take out you, of there. So that I felt like was kind of a oh, primo seriously? campus and job. Keep the tips. Absolutely. Oh, that's well. Yeah, now, so, do you have a choice of jobs or do you get assigned? Uh, you get assigned your freshman year or like my friend that was really had nothing, worked in the library and talked to her boss into hiring me. Oh, nice. And I, and I didn't even know that. She got me the job before I even knew it. But then uh, after that, you can go apply or you can go uh, request. Like the printing press, I went to the press and said, I would like to work here. Okay, why not? It's and kind it's, of a microcosm of the real world, right? Like you get your initial job, but after that, it's you're going to talk to people. It's kind of you make friends who you know who can get you oh, in, kind cool. of that. So yeah, and yes. there's no and every student is employed, so there's yes. no yes. limit to jobs. That's wild. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and what the, is the student population undergrad? A uh, couple thousand, about fifteen hundred when I was yeah, there. Yeah, between fifteen and sixteen hundred. They've gone up a little bit in the last couple of years. Nice, uh, but but not a ton. Are there some graduate students? No. no. Oh, no graduate. No, no graduate. Students. It's all undergrad. Yes. Okay. Uh, but a, but a, an amazing education. Right. Uh, I, my senior year, I worked at a store in Richmond. and uh, Can you name it? Uh, if you want me to. Sure. Hastings. Oh, okay. So bookstore. They're out of business, so they, they don't yeah. have to pay brick, us. Brick and mortar right. records and yes. you know, <laughs> yeah. movies. A media play kind of place. Well, I worked with a bunch of EKU students. And they would gripe about, oh, I got to go write a four-page paper. Oh, I'm dreading it. <laughs> my bibliography was Four pages. I mean, I you know every class twenty five thirty page paper. That's cool. And then when I graduated and got out into my, you know my career, uh, and I'm not. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm bragging about it, but I, I realized my writing skills were above what my colleagues were. So for those who don't know, um, it really is a wonderful history. Give us a brief history, Dave. Eighteen eighteen forty originally, or something like that. It was um, it was founded so early that they were forced to as a as an integrated school, right? And they were forced to. Deintegrate. Deintegrate. Yes. Thank yeah. you, uh, John. So, John Fee. John G. Fee. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it officially became a school in 1855, right? When the Constitution was ratified or signed. Uh, earlier, it was uh, well. It started with Cassius Clay, uh, who owned um, what's the house? Uh, 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 Whitehall. Whitehall. And that was after the Foreman fire. Yeah, that was after the Foreman fire. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry. Go ahead with he your was, he was Ali. By yeah, this is before. That is the Cassius Clay he was named for. That's right. Yeah. 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 So uh, he was an abolitionist, right? And there was a, a as, min- as was his brother Henry in Lexington. Yes, who ran the, there was a uh, minister named John G. Fee uh, out of Minifee County who uh, was an abolitionist as well. And oh, so was John Fee a native Kentuckian? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he gave he gave uh, ugly dude by the way. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't. The, wasn't a handsome man. No. no. So John Fee, if, if if we've lost you already, was the founder of Berea College. Yeah, he looks hey, like he looked like every guy from the 1850s. <laughs> he reminds me of an actor that was on Little House in the Prairie. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, the d- the dad of the little yeah. the mean girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So if you want to picture him at home, Google IMDb Little House on the Prairie, the dad of the little bratty blonde girl. Plus, I think he was like five two. Oh no, the, kidding! Dad of a chair of his from his office. Oh, that's cool as hell. And I, there's no way I could have said. Oh, that. that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. So uh, Cassius Clay gave him what's called the Glade, where the Glades Road came from. Oh, really? Um, it was a big, big swampy area. He started a church. Uh, there was already some settlers here, but not a, not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fee started uh, his church, which turned into a school. It wasn't a college. It was they were just educating everybody. Um, and and then this is the interesting part. 
uh, and I, I don't have the date in front of me, but at some point, Richmond uh, still had slave owners, but Southern Madison County did not. Wow. So there was an uprising, and, and I apologize, I don't know the details, but there was an uprising, slave uprising somewhere where some slave owners got killed by the slaves. Well, the folks in Richmond were afraid that, that was, they were going to incite a, a similar situation in Southern Madison County. So they created a gang. Uh, they literally had torches and vigilantes. And they rode from Richmond to Berea and told the founders of, the, of Berea that you, you've got, I think it was 24 hours to get out of town. Uh, John so, Fee among them? Yes. Yeah. So they, they, the founders all got together and went north and they hit out and were exiled in Cincinnati for five or six years, I believe. No kidding. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and so by it, now the Civil War is probably fi- being fought, right? Yes. Yeah. So after the Civil War, they came back and started the school again. Uh, That's really it interesting. Started as kind of a high school and it morphed into eventually growing into uh, um, like Great a technical college. school. That's where the trades, sure. the jobs come from. And then when they came back, they didn't integrate right away, right? Like it was a while, like they'd started out so progressively, but then when they started back, it was just a whites only school yes. for a while. And then yes. they did finally get back to their And a big heritage. part of the integration came from John Fee going to Camp Nelson the, and, and talking to the, yeah. civil, the black Civil War vets and got a lot of them to come down. And then in 1904, there's a senator, a state senator named Day, who... Uh, didn't like the idea of it. Uh, I, th- I think the story was he came to a commencement. Uh, it came to Berea on the train, which is right here. Yeah. You we literally see just, it yeah, in the studio. Drive yeah. a golf ball to it. Right. And he saw well, a, a a black. I wrist. might be able to. I've seen you golf. <laughs> but he saw a black wrist, a wrist student and a white wrist student in, in, embrace each oh, other. Boy. And that was enough. He didn't like it. And so he, he enacted the day law, which made it illegal to integrate schools in Kentucky. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court went in favor of the state of Kentucky, and the school was not integrated anymore. So then, it, so the Supreme Court ruled that Day was fine. Yes, his yeah. opposition was that it fine. It was illegal. There to, you go. Yeah. That's your Supreme Court, nineteen oh four. And then, uh, so Berea took US. part of their endowment and started the Lincoln Institute near Louisville, and it was um, more like a. Uh, I don't think they gave full degrees. More like an associate, like a two-year certification type of situation. <clears throat> And it lasted until I believe the early fifties, when the day law was rescinded and blacks came black. Was it rescinded via another Supreme Court ruling? I, what if I somebody really challenged know. it again? The I, day law—that's wild. So. I know Berea wasn't involved. I'm pretty sure Berea wasn't involved in, or they didn't have a, a primary role in it being rescinded. So was it non? Was it white only from 04 yes. through fifty five? Yes. Oh no shit. And all, all of the the African American students that would go here went to the Lincoln Institute. Went to the Lincoln Institute, yeah. but but. John Fee originally it was a was an integrated school initially, yes. right? Yes, that's why. He was a, a the, fervent. Talk about progressive and and yeah. abolitionist. And that's the kind of fascinating history of America, right? Like if you go back to almost like eighteen to nineteen hundred turn of the century, like even in uh, a lot of sports, you'd have people that were African American playing, you know maybe by a different name, or maybe they would say they were Indian or something, but you had a lot of these situations where we were almost integrated, right? Mm-hmm. At that time. And then, you know, all the civil rights and segregation movement and all that just sort of killed it for another 50 years. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, so a beautiful campus. If you've never been, you need to see Berea college campus. Are there some original buildings? I mean, obviously there are, but uh, or is the, there an original building? I believe I could be wrong, but I believe link, uh, no, a uh, Fairchild, which used to be called Ladies Hall. Yeah. The girls' dorm is the oldest brick building. I, I, I believe that. Any idea how far back that goes? Ooh. 
I actually have a, a Brea College architecture book in the car that oh, I nice. sort of brought in. We'll go ahead and grab that if you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say this. It's uh, a great mission. My time at Berea from 96 to 2000, somewhere in the middle was like a transition. Uh, so you, you saw a lot of tourism, saw a lot of renovations going on on campus. Um, the buildings basically were falling apart by the time I got there. Um, they just, not a lot of money had been spent on upkeep. Um, I remember sitting in one, one building in uh, Draper Hall uh, before a class, sitting in the hall trying to read. It was kind of an overcast day. I couldn't read. It was so dim. Because the lights were from oh, the 30s. Wow. Most of my classes in Draper, and I know people listening needed to know that. So <laughs> just an FYI for all of our listeners. Same president when you guys were there? Yes. Yeah. He Shin? Came, Larry Shin came in 95. Shin, that's right. Larry Shin, Shin. Did you see Shin's erection? <laughs> Jesus. There's Everybody a, saw Shin's erection. There's a, a little oh, tower Lord. on campus, and it was called Shin's erection. Shin's he <laughs> named it Shin's erection. He it was a monument it. to his self. He it was like it this Shin's erection. It was a stairwell that went up to fucking nothing, and it was the most pompous thing that you can imagine to do with $30,000. <laughs> it was President Shin's erection, and at the base of the, the thing. Did someone not get his ear and say, no, that's not the Maybe best a name. better use of that money, <laughs> President well, well, Shin's. At least name it differently. Right. There was a no college of, kids are going to make fun of that. I, actually, there's a raise erection, but nobody's ever seen it. It's a tiny little, <laughs> tiny little monument, like an eight dollar, yeah, bricks, tiny little monument. One step. Uh, not a, when when, when, when Doctor Shin was there. There was there's not a lot of people liked his style. He was, oh, is that in right? fact? In fact, I interviewed for I'm I'm an internal auditor by trade, and I interviewed for the auditor role on campus and was talking to one of my old professors, and he was like, I don't know if I'd want that job. If he's here. Oh, so, wow. I, I personally had never had any problems with him. I liked him. I got to have dinner with Shin once, and it was it was outstanding. It, it was me, President Shin. Uh, wait, did I say it right, Shin? Yeah. And um, Brian Lamb, the founder of C-SPAN. Oh, no shit. Oh. It was the coolest thing ever. Where was, was that? A fundraising? At the president's house. He oh. was coming in. I guess he was going to donate some money to the college, maybe. Oh, or maybe he cool. had some ties to... How, was, how was Mr. Lamb? He always seemed very affable. Super friendly. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Super I don't know nice. if he's even still with us. I he, think he is, actually. Is, I believe is he is. Or is, has he passed? No, he's. he's, he's I haven't heard. Yeah, he's I haven't heard. He's, he's retired. Oh, that's uh, very cool, Tristan. Yeah, well, it was awesome. And Dave, I think, can speak to that a little bit. Um, you know, some of the fundraising and development, which you did, right? But, yes. but if you think about it, you know, for folks listening who, again, aren't really familiar with Berea College, it's essentially a. Its mission, if you will, is founded for, you know, primarily Appalachian, but just uh, undereducated, uh, not undereducated. Well, under- well, well, to that point, when the integration stopped, the focus became educating poor Appalachian students. Poor Appalachian yeah, students. So that's where right. that part comes from. So if you're doing development fundraising, it's not terribly hard to get people to write checks. That's a hell of a mission. It is. Um, I, I've uh, been involved a little bit. My senior year, I took a volunteerism and, volunteerism and philanthropy class. Uh, where we learned about how nonprofits work and how the college endowment works. And uh, it's it's well over a billion dollars now. See, that's crazy. I think at one time they were one of only 10 schools in the country with a B in front of their endowment. It may be bigger now, but like yeah. for it was like top 10 in endowment, yeah, right? It, it was. I, I don't know where it is now, but yes. And I know like Harvard and Yale. So Shin was well endowed. If Shin was, was so well endowed, he had the additional funds <laughs> to produce his erection for everyone, which most people Shin's cannot get away with. <laughs> a lot of people but got in trouble it, for trying. Have they maintained that? Is it still? Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, That's and a there, crazy figure. Dude. Well, there were some problems back in 08 you know, with the, the slump. I mean, you're, you're, you're living sure, off sure, the endowment. Sure. And right. my understanding is it's it's uh, the endowment, the, the funds that come from the endowment pay for 
I think it's around three quarters of the cost of education. So they have to do continuous fundraising to raise money to cover the rest of the, mm-hmm. the operations of the campus and the students. Because uh, you can't you can't dive into the. So let me ask you guys a rather personal question. And this, you know, look, I'm an outsider, man. I don't know if you guys know or not. I'm from New Jersey. I couldn't tell. No. Okay. I didn't know that. So, yeah. So I'm here as an out. Can I tell you a quick funny story about that? A digression, which is what I do. And then I'll ask my question if I remember it. So I'm at an owner's meeting one time and for Galaxy. At that time, there were like six people that owned it. And I was commenting and we were talking about getting bowlers from outside Richmond, you know, as it was tough back when I took that job. They were really struggling. And I had made this observation after then having been here about 20 years. And I said, you know, it's really struck me. Um, kind of as an outsider, how Lexington people look down their nose at Richmond people and Richmond people look down their nose at Berea people and Berea people look down their nose at urban people. I'm sure urban people look down their nose at further further Eastern Kentucky people. I don't look down my nose at any of you. I'm from New Jersey. I guess to me, you're all rednecks. And one of the owners was Patty Baker, who was a very prim and proper. And she literally audibly gasped. She went, I don't think she'd ever been called a redneck in her life, you know, but so on the heels of that, there is this, what's the word I'm looking for? Not connotation, feeling, I guess, amongst people I know, you know, in Richmond, probably more, maybe somewhat here in Berea itself, of this Berea College kind of being this odd place. Like some of the country folks, polite way of saying rednecks, look at it with a bit of a jaundiced eye. Do they not? Well, they oh, do. Much. Yeah. My, you know, like my father was like that. I mean, there's definitely- Your father a, was like yeah, that. There's definitely a town and gown situation is what they call it. In the 80s, when I was growing up, I'm from Berea as well. I grew up here. Oh, nice. So in the 80s, uh, there was a lot of students walk around with punk rock, you know, orange mohawks. And, oh. and, so it was really us and them. Well, the thing is, it's a liberal arts school. Right. And so liberal arts institutions allow people to express themselves differently than large universities. And, and what I've always argued, I mean, it used to have a stigma, well, it's, it's that gay school. Right. Uh, and, and everybody in Berea's campus is gay. There are well, you two certainly are. I know you will. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, my friend. No, <laughs> well, no, there's certainly nothing wrong with it. But there's, I would guarantee that there's a certain similar percentage of gay students at UK or EKU. It's just that at Berea, you're 17, 18 years old for the first time ever. You're out of some little sure redneck town, and you can express yourself and, and grow. Right. Plus, right. it's so small. That's all you notice. So I, I didn't want to go to Berea growing up in Berea. I mean, I, I was sure. raised pretty conservative, and I thought, no, I don't want to go with those weirdos up there. Oh, you did? Okay. And then when I was in high school, through my church, I met some Berea students and realized, oh, wait, there are just as many <laughs> non-what I would, you know, weird people as, as there are or not. Well, it's kind of cool. Eccentric, Dave. Well, they also, like, they probably cater as well to the gay community as they do, like, the conservative Christian community, which is kind of a unique thing about Berea college too. It's sort of really encompasses all these different folks and sort of caters to all of them, which is kind of nice. And now I think, you know, they do a lot for, they still stick with their mission for sort of poor Appalachian kids, but then they also really have reached back out to try and really become like almost a, like you can't say like a historically black college, but kind of in that vein, like almost, I don't know if it's half and half, but it's a lot of black students and a lot of poor Appalachian, like white kids. Four or five years ago, I was on the executive alumni council. It's an alumni group of alumni that helped counsel the college. And four or five years ago, we were given a percentage. I don't remember it, but it was above the national average of African-Americans. Of minorities. We also have above average international students. 
Uh, Tristan talks about that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Love didn't, you, that. didn't you say one of your, one of your roommates was international? My first roommate, uh, was from Georgia Yeah, and he was not the, not the not state. The state. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Exactly. And it was just fascinating, you know, and you'd be, you know, you'd be in a, your dorm uh, hall would have maybe 30 guys on your floor and maybe eight of them or, you know, 10 were from, you know, somewhere in Europe or wherever. And it was, you know, you get to learn so much from guys like that, that, you know, you're not going to get that in high school or anywhere. And the, yeah, the stories are just endless. I, I remember meeting a guy from Sierra Leone and they had a really bad civil war. And he told me about how his family, his whole family, except for him and his brother got killed. And so he and his brother walked across Africa literally across Africa to the coast when he was really young to get on a ship to come to America. And his brother worked and worked and worked to put him in school. So that he, and he ended up coming to break. So what is the international flavor? Is that a part of the mission? Did they make sort of expand that or? Yeah. I, I don't know when, but at some yeah. point it became part, part of it. There's uh, and these again are at needs kids. Well, you have to meet the financial requirements. Well, right. do the foreign kids, because it always felt like to me, and again, I don't know how that works, but it always felt like a lot of the foreign students that I spoke to, like they were pretty well off where they were from. Now, I don't know oh, yeah? how that sort of would, yeah, could, would work. Could be. I, I because, think it's individual situations. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But, you know, there are, you do encounter people, uh, like for example, I ran into a lot of farmers mm-hmm. who the farms run on cash business. So on paper, on taxes, their families didn't have a lot of money, right? But they're driving, yeah. new, you know, they're driving their new truck around because <laughs> yeah. it's a cash business, right? There was a student, and and I can't remember her name to say it. There was a student whose grandfather was the mayor of a major city in the south, and uh, her parents were divorced, so her mom didn't work because her dad, her grandfather supported her. She had no money on paper. On paper, she drove a BMW on campus. Wow, <laughs> and she got a lot of resentment. Yeah, be frowned upon. Well, I mean, but. The, the admissions folks, the they don't know. I mean, right. you're just looking at the numbers and, and her qualifications. Um, yeah, I'm sure she wasn't alone. I'm sure there were a few games played. Well, didn't yeah. they have an agreement for a long time with Berea Community School, and then they cut that because there were a lot of kids going that were Well, really that, that came needed. about uh, because the, the, the high school part uh, was called the Berea Foundation, and um, I'm just having a brain fart. There was another um, – they had basically two high schools at one point in time, and they merged into the foundation school – which in 1969, Bria Independent School, which used to be up um, where the park is next to People's Bank. It was called Bria High, which was called the Fruit Jar. because a principal got hit in the head with a moonshine jar at one point in time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> at a, I think at a basketball game. It closed and Bria Community formed and they merged their school, their high school with Bria Community. Okay. And most of the, um, I think most of the students, like the foundation students were like college professor kids. Well, I can say as an outsider, and well, no longer a visitor. Hell, I've lived here longer than I did in that other place. I've escaped where from was that other what was it? Somewhere up north, New, New York. But jeez, uh, come on. <laughs> but um, it's a beautiful town, and and the college helps makes makes may, helps make it a beautiful town. If you've never been to Berea, you need to plan a trip. There's so much history. The college is beautiful, and it really is just. I, I've often said this. Funny it. Berea puts me in mind of a small, um, quaint New England town. The way the, yeah, the, the, the village square, if you will, is there and the businesses mm-hmm. on it. And it's it's really a beautiful town. And the arts capital of Kentucky. Arts so capital like yeah, art. Kentucky, for sure. There are a lot of cool art here. Right. And you can get a real flavor for that out at the Artisan Center right on I-75. We should have got some sponsors for the show. Artisan we should Center. have collected some, some of these art places. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's not... You know, the stuff is expensive. It's all handmade. You're not going to find rinky-dink $10 items. No. 
but they are beautiful. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Well, thank you for that history, David. Yeah. Berea College. Cool. I know you guys are proud alums. Well, well uh, let me tell you one more sure. kind of interesting fact. And I don't have any proof of this. There's a guy in town named uh, Bill Best. He's a little popular. He was an ag professor at Berea. He raises tomatoes now. Uh, it told me that when they were when the group was exiled and they came back, uh, they hired a group from Red Lick, which is in Jackson County, mm. a family to protect them, to oh. be their gunmen. They were the Harrisons. Oh, yeah. Well, my family's from Red Lick. My grandfather's from Red Lick originally. Ha, ha. I don't know that there's a connection there, but. Good I, chance. I don't know how many Harrisons have ever lived in Red Lick. That's but funny. That's awesome, that big man. Of a place. That's but, pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I guess it's time for you to ask your political co- uh, question. We're about halfway through the show. Oh, man. We're yeah. Gonna, well, yeah. Divert. I'm, I'm happy to, to do a, a, a non-quality segue into this. But, uh, Dave, you, uh, what's your political leaning? Do you have a political leaning before we get I'm started? left of center. Left I'm, of center. I'm okay. So probably physically conservative, but socially, very socially liberal. Okay. So you probably fit in pretty good with us then on that stuff. So, all right. So I had to swing by my doctor's office. Uh, the day before yesterday to get a prescription refilled and it never happens, but it just so happened that the place was completely empty and it was just the lady at the front and my doctor standing okay. there. Well, let me say he's a nurse practitioner. Okay. So I don't know if maybe he was seven points lower on the MCAT or what, but he's so not quite a real doctor, but no, no, they feel a great, he's board. my guy. I mean, so, and, and oftentimes they give you more time than the, than the MD. They're not doing, you know, they're not looking at their watch. Yeah. And I'll preface know? this also by saying that every time I've ever had to go in there for something, he said, you know, I can send you to a specialist, but they're going to tell you this and they're going to tell you that. Right. And he's been right every single time. And he's super nice. He's got the best bedside manner. Like I love him as a doctor. Uh, you know, can we drop a name or would you prefer? I not would to? prefer not to just because it's a small town. And anybody can listen. You have to tell me off air. Yeah, I'll tell you off air. But okay. again, super nice guy. But I know for a fact already that he's kind of an anti vaxxer and he's kind of going down this kind of the, the right wing, real deep wormhole. And, you know, the last couple of times I've been in, that's sort of what he wanted to talk about. Now, I don't know if he knows where I stand or just, you know, around here, sort of everybody assumes you're to the right. And then, you know, kind of they just see how far right you are. But, man, we had a 45 minute conversation and it was maybe the craziest conversation I've ever had. And I mean, the stuff that he believes, and I made some notes. So, so not to interrupt, but so yeah, this is why the patient behind you had to wait 45 minutes. There was <laughs> nobody in the, the place. It was crazy. So I was like right at that, four that o'clock. A lot. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he was just standing there. I was like, man, I just want this fucking refill. Please let me get out of here. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to also engage in this conversation because it's fascinating. Because sure. usually when you hear about people that talk about selection rigging and all this stuff and Hillary murders people and, and Pizzagate. Generally not a doctor. Right, right. They're generally not somebody that yeah. you would just think of as a scientific guy that's pretty smart. Sure, sure. But so he was saying, like uh, he had said, you know, we're a bunch of whiners and the the whole participation trophy. So I took that opportunity to jab him, and I was like, yeah, kind relative of relative to what bunch of whiners in the participation trophy. Just this era of people that oh, everybody oh, oh. has to win, and and I said, yeah, kind of like. Trump, you know, he can't, right. you, so you can't sort of be anti-participation right. trophy right. and then indulge Donald Trump as this guy who can't ever lose. And sure. So to me, that kind of goes hand in hand. And he said, he said, well, you know what? There's a lot of evidence. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. What, what's the evidence doc? Like, let me know. And he's like, I guess you haven't watched the movie 2000 mules that documents all this cheating. Oh, and that's I, Dinesh D'Souza. 
who's the, the, who's just this side of Alex Jones. Right. Dinesh yeah. D'Souza is yeah. we, we can easily make a documentary about anything. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, and of course, like, I, I humor him. Like, I, I get do some research on this. But he's like, you know what? I see this stuff on the mainstream news, and it doesn't feel right. So then I go online, and I find stuff that makes sense. And I don't there know how is this scientific guy. And, and also, I'll throw out, uh, COVID almost killed him. Like, he had COVID, anti, anti-vax guy. I know exactly who you're talking he about. He was hours away from- And he's a great guy. Going on a wonderful guy. So, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to, you know, insult him personally. We just completely disagree politically. But- um, but yeah, it was fascinating to hear him talk about this movie that was obviously kind of kind of fake and kind of yeah debunked, and uh, you know was talking about all these marathon runners that have died from from being on the on the being vaccinated, and I mean just went down this rabbit hole, man, and it was crazy. It, it, it so, is crazy. So to kind of to that point, my wife and I, uh, we we believe the same. We're on the same plane, and but we had uh, she she watched uh, the social dilemma the other day. Uh, the, docu- the documentary uh, you all need to watch. Have you not heard of this? I have not. No. Yeah, so you need, you need to watch it. Uh, so it's talking about um, how the logarithms are altering yeah. the way that yeah, we look yeah, at yeah. news. I, I had watched that. it on your recommendation yeah. some time back. That's why I, so, I was I was getting confused with the Zuckerberg social yeah. network. Yeah, social yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So social you, Tristan, you need to watch it. Yeah, I'll check it it's out on Netflix. Yeah, it's very uh, good. So uh, she watched it again. We I watched about forty five minutes with her, and I, I made the comment that. Yes, these logarithms are working. So what it's, what it's saying is that if you Google a thing or two or you go to Facebook and search for a thing or two, say like um, anti-vaxxers, then all of a sudden your feed and your news and my phone's uh, Apple media or Apple news is going to start giving me that stuff. And it demonstrated how I can Google one thing and you can Google the same thing and our Google's feeds will give us different based upon well, and. and- Mar talks about the bubble all the time, yes, and that's such yes. a good point. And I, and I told him, uh, you know, when we with the doctor, when we talked, my nurse, whatever, um, I said, you know, we're relatively smart guys standing here having this conversation, and there's not an ounce of anything we're ever going to agree on well, because we're getting different facts. Exactly, and that's the point. That's the point of this this social dilemma, and it's it's interviewing a lot of people who worked in Silicon Valley who start this kind of stuff, right? Who went away from it exactly? Who, so who my, are very jaded now? Yes, yeah. But my argument to my wife, and she didn't agree with me, and I'm pretty sure she didn't agree with me because you're her I, husband. Yeah, Do wives husband. ever agree because with, yeah, yeah. with because husbands? Because you're her husband. No matter what my logarithm is telling me, remember what is feeding me. I have to have a certain level of intelligence and ability to read something and form my own opinion about it. And the example I like to give are the flat earthers. Um, you all are aware <laughs> oh, yeah, of sure. this. Uh, I graduated. Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I graduated junior high science. And no one fucking earth was right. Now, it may be an oval, but it's not flat. <laughs> yes, it's not flat. <laughs> and nothing anybody can tell me is going to convince me that. So no matter what my feed, what this logarithm has given me, I still have to have the ability to read something and form my own opinion about it. And that's what's scary to me are these people aren't doing that. Um, you know, the, the hardcore, I'm talking hardcore right-wing Trumpians. Well, so, well, this is just the way it is. I think kind of to Tristan's point, they perhaps are doing it, but they're finding resources that back up and vindicate everything, yeah. they, everything they believe. That's it. So we're getting, yeah. we're getting into a nuanced area. Yes, there are things that can sway me one way or the other and little nuanced ideas. But the big things like these huge conspiracy theories like chemtrails. Right. Or chemtrails. the flat earthers, you yeah. know. 
You and and I don't mean to be offensive to anybody that's believing this stuff, but come on. Oh, you go gotta, ahead. You can offend them. You got to think. You got to use you know, your brain yeah. and think about what it is you're reading. I'm 20 years older than the, both of you guys, and I have, and you'll you'll find this if you haven't already. I I like to talk. That's why Triz and I are doing this podcast. I worked in radio, and I'll talk with anybody. But the older I get, the more I. I guess, would you call it impatient, less patient? I, or maybe I'd realize I don't have enough time. Like there's people now, so I won't mention a name either. I, your doctor, who ironically I do know, your nurse practitioner, and I have a neighbor that anybody who knows me will know who I'm referring to, but he has one Bible on his uh, car and he's a fine person, but I don't find myself really looking forward to engage him anymore because it's just not worth my time because he's not going to change. I'm not going to change. Fuck it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I try to take that attitude. Yesterday, or actually this morning, I made a post on Facebook, um, and and I've listened to know that uh, talking about real world events is a little funny because of the timing of posting the podcast. But yesterday, or day before yesterday, was the, the school shooting in Texas. Yeah. So I made a comment on Facebook, or I shared something that said something's effective. I want to live in a world where we love our children more than our guns. Right. Now, keep in mind, I'm a gun owner. I'm, I'm don't have a problem with that, but. This, you know, that's a different, different argument. Right. And a, and a, and a gentleman that I went to school with who I've over the years seen, I went to high school with him over the years. I've seen him on Facebook become more progressively <clears throat> right. Moving to the right. It put some diatribe about uh, guns. Don't aren't the problem. You know, we need to blah, blah, blah. Arm teachers no, it's the blood loss and the organ damage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the bullets. That's right. Leaving yeah. the gun. Freaking the guns aren't the problem, but he but made, the he made the, the organ damage. And I was, I was sitting and looking at this morning and I, and I thought, you know, I'm, I just blocked him. Yeah. And, well, and, and I'm, and I'm not big. I, I want to listen to other people's opinion and stuff, that's, but that's kind of what, but yeah, exactly. Chil- you know, children that's, died. Yeah. So I don't have time for this argumentative nonsense that's coming toward me and stuff like that. Exactly. So. And that's the problem too, though, I think is that the, the political parties and certainly people will say, well, it's not about that. But I think with most people, it is the left side and the right side hate each other so bad. Yes. There's not a lot of what we're doing. I mean, doing this show uh, for almost a year now has really, you know, I've always said I was middle left, but it's brought me more towards the middle because when you can sit down and at least see where people are coming from and have these conversations with both sides, like it, it, if you're open to that, it does sway you, but nobody, when you're screaming about something, one of the, some of these major issues on Facebook or any of these places, like there's no room for growth. It's yeah. I hate you because of the letter by your party. Yes. And, and I just hate anything you say. So and that's think, the upsetting part of our world. Right sure. Now. But I, yeah, I mean, I if we have this conversation though, among real people, you're going to find some common ground on yes. common sense gun. Laws. I think Lucas and I actually solved the entire, all right, I'm going to read this to you first. Something well, my hold, brother, hold on a second. Brother he, sent me. He's got his glasses on him. His nose like, Looks like an old man for the first time. Don, Don, first time. Cool. All right. So how about this? Uh, something my brother sent me. How about, and that wasn't his. It's something he posed, uh, uh, you know, passed on. How about we treat every young man who wants to buy a gun like every woman who wants to get an abortion? Mandatory 48-hour waiting period, parental permission, a note from his doctor providing he understands what he's about to do. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, proving, I'm sorry, proving he understands what he's about to do. Aaron's not going to love this. A video he has to watch about the effects of gun violence. An ultrasound wand up the ass, just because. <laughs> Let's close down all but one gun shop in every state and make him travel hundreds of miles, take time off work, stay overnight in a strange town to get a gun, make him walk through a gauntlet of people holding photos of loved ones who were shot to death, people calling him a murderer and begging him not to buy a gun. It makes more sense to do this with young men and guns than with women in healthcare, right? I mean, no woman getting an abortion has killed a room full of people in seconds. 
So, on the heels of that, Lucas and I actually solved these two issues. All right, you ready for this? Let's hear it. Here it is. Tomorrow, outlaw abortion and outlaw guns. Done. The right is going to be apoplectic about the guns being outlawed. The left is going to be apoplectic about about, about abortion being outlawed. And if both sides are pissed off, you've done it right. Tomorrow (laughs) at noon, abortion is 100% illegal and guns are 100% illegal. Fucking done. Is that not genius? And I think, well, I think if that's your starting point, then a lot of people probably come to the middle to discuss how can we really do this in a safe way for both things? How can we, how can we have guns? But yeah. And I, you know, that's tongue in cheek, what you read about the uh, making abortion like guns, but a lot of that stuff's probably a pretty good common sense idea for an 18 year old boy that wants to get a gun. Like there should be somebody that signs off and says he's, he's, you know, mentally strong enough to do that. Absolutely. So yeah, again, there's, you know, cramming a wand up his ass and some of that stuff's just (laughs) for fun, but you know, I don't, most people are always going to be good with guns. It's these, some of these folks aren't. uh, Either you guys see Steve Kerr's press conference. That wasn't a press conference. So Steve Kerr, the coach of the uh, war, you saw it. it. So he goes off. It was was moving. He's uh, yeah, he's, we're not talking basketball. We've got another one of these incidents. Yeah. And he just goes off. And when is this going to stop? And I'm sure Fox news would look at him as a bleeding heart liberal, but um, he, he quoted a stat and I've heard this stat quoted and Dave, you are the gun owner uh, here or so even than Trisden. I've got a gun. Um, or a couple guns. I have 16. But well, he, you got more than me then. He, he comment. He, he made So you hate kids more than me. And I've heard. <laughs> I really hate kids and I don't have a gun, so go figure. I don't even like my own too. Sometimes. <laughs> I like um, them. They're but okay. he said 90% of people. Now, I think that's a little high and I heard others say 70%. But what do you guys think? Now, we're not talking about the prohibition of guns, but we're talking about background checks. We're talking about um, possibly prohibiting uh, assault rifles. And it seems to be that 70, Kerr's whole thing was you got 50 senators in DC holding up the will of 90% of America. Again, I don't think it's 90, but I think, are there 70% of people who think it would be better to have background checks? Uh, I think it is like 90. Weapons weapons designed for the battlefield shouldn't be in the hands of every citizen. It is like 89% on the background checks. Like that's almost everybody. Well, here's my thing. Because Mitch McConnell is a fuckstick. No, because well, yes, but because the, the <laughs> because the NRA. Here's a great example of of the NRA. Well, did you, I'm going to interrupt. Did you see the NRA? And, and this is a big thing on the left. Again, you won't see it on Fox. So the NRA is having their meeting. I think in D.C. and no yeah. guns allowed. Oh my <laughs> God, that's funny. That's, that's what you call irony. Yeah, but but you have to understand the NRA's motivation. They are a group that represent gun owners and gun store owners. Sure. It's all financial. I was in a gun store in, well, there you go. On, in Cincinnati one time, and I, I walk in. There's a the store owners talking to these these two guys, uh, this, a couple, married couple, and you could tell that they weren't gun people. They they were looking for a gun for home protection, so they were looking at a Remington 370 20 gauge, the shotgun that every eight year old learned how to shoot on. It's a basic shotgun, and they they're looking and they're like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm having trouble getting these. You might want to go ahead. Because I'm not going to get another one. Okay, we'll get it. So well, you're going to need some ammunition. Yeah, well, you better get, go ahead and get four or five boxes because I'm, I'm not going to be able to get it's any. He's a salesman. He's a salesman. And that's what the NRA is. The NRA's motivation point. is to make more money for its members. That's a great Because that's like any other professional organization. Yeah. You know. Uh, that's a great po- point, Dave. That's and, and, a point and, I've really never heard made. It makes well, a lot and, of sense. And, the, and, and who's benefiting from there being ammunition shortage? Sure. 
the people that are selling and making the ammunition. What is funny, they, you know, I've got clients that uh, have gun stores, and they all say, like, nothing better than a Democrat president because people are coming in, Which buying crazy, everything off the shelves. Yeah, they yeah. love Democrats being elected mm-hmm. as president. So, Well, my attitude towards gun control, and this is, I am a gun owner. I will say that all my guns, uh, except for one, are either uh, been hand-me-downs, uh, they're, they're, they're um, sentimental. Like I have my great-great-great-grandfather's shotgun that my dad learned how to shoot on. Uh, or they are ornamental type of, like I, I bought not long ago, a cowboy pistol, a twenty two looks like something John Wayne would carry. Sure. Marshall uh, Dillon. None of them hold more than, um, none of, I have one that is for home protection, a semi-automatic pistol. Um, and I felt the need to get this when Trump was in office. <laughs> uh, it's kind of ironic, but I've never, uh, never had the desire to own a semi-automatic pistol. They're all for sport. They're all for fun. Right. They're all decorative and pretty. And I would gladly jump through hoops to have these, just like I jump through a hoop to drive my car. I have to get a driver's license. I have to keep it registered. Yeah, well, that's it. Some uh, people have said that, equate it to driver's so license. So I'm all about the Constitution. I'm all about yeah. us having these rights, and I'm, I'm all about the Second Amendment. And, and certain guns are different, too. Like, it's a whole yes. it's a whole lot different if you've got your, your great-grandpa's bolt-action Remington 22 versus an AR that you can throw a bump stock on or that exactly. you can shoot semi-automatically with military precision over exactly. a concert. So, again, it's like, you know, if you want to say at 18 years old, every young person that wants to go get a bolt-action 22 is fine. Maybe like a car, to, to your point, you, it's a permit. So once you have six months and you take it to a range three times, then you bring that back to the gun store. You've had it for three months. Then if you want to upgrade to, you know, a shotgun or something, you can. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not for making these necessarily illegal, but it should not just be every 18 year old. I read one time that your average high schooler faces 20 symptoms of bipolar every day. Yes. So look, you know, and we've all been high schoolers. You're thinking about nothing but sex and you're half crazy about everything. Yes, yes. So look, we do have to be a little cautious and I, and I don't want to be ageist against young people or old people, because there's certainly some young people that are absolutely capable of having an AR 15, but there's also plenty that aren't. So, and, and we, it should be a case by case basis and not a blanket. Every I, 18 year old get, can buy one. I've been carded when I was younger. I was carded buying spray paint one time, but you're not carded to buy ammunition. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. No, I mean, um, so this is something else, my left-wing brother in Jersey. And I, and I don't know the actual definition. I always thought it was more than three, but obviously this must be like 10 or something. But here is the past 30 years, starting in, um, well, the late 90s, really. Number of mass shootings. Obviously, we know the United States leads at 101. We may not know the number, but we know it would be the United States. And, you know, they call this in developed, quote-unquote, developed countries, which I always thought was kind of a rough term, but okay. So the United States is first in 101 over the past 30 years. You want to get, you don't have to guess the country, but you want to guess the number that's second. United States is first at 101. Like 25? Eight. France had eight. France had eight. Germany had five. Canada had four. Finland, three. And then a bunch have one, including New Zealand, who had that one famous one, right. and they just locked down well, guns. Well, they Canada, did a gun Canada, buyback, which Canada was kind of smart. Had, Canada had four. Yeah, Canada had four. They must have been but, pissed off Americans. Well, they, they, yeah. they're they very apologetic. Actually. Yeah, they're very apologetic. Ooh, sorry, but, eh? <laughs> but see, but, but, but my point on reading that is, uh, did you see Beto O'Rourke yesterday? Yeah. Oh, we yeah. can't say days. So, sorry. We never know when it's going to air, Dave. Yeah, so, Beto, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Busts into I Abbott's. And, of course, Fox News. This call this is the most egregious thing, right. this political actor, yada yada. Yeah. But his point was, okay, you on the right are saying it's mental health, mental health, mental health. But Governor Abbott, where have you put a dollar forth 
for mental health. If you want to talk about fucking mental health, put your money where your mouth is. Put some money up. When's the last time Mitch McConnell got on the floor of the Senate, the most powerful Republican, and said, you know, folks, we do have a problem with mental health. So here is my plan. Here is my program. Here's the money that's getting put forth. No. And and what is the difference between that list that I just read where America's 101 at leading the world, the developed world, France is second at eight. What differentiates us from those other 10 countries that follow France at five, four, one, and one? There's one thing that differentiates us, not mental health. There's plenty of frogs, Frenchmen, that have mental health the issues. It's access. fucking guns. Yeah. The access to guns. And with apologies to Aaron, our sponsor, it's the only thing you can look at. Now, look, I have have a unique approach because I lived in a place where guns are not very prevalent. And I live here in a place where it's woven into the fabric of society. And I realize how how fruitless an argument at you know prohibiting guns, gun uh, abolishing guns is. It's not going to happen. I get it. But there has to be some sensible approach other than saying mental health mental health well and my problem is that's a great point because you're not going to go shoot 20 freaking children if you don't have very severe mental illness but the thing that always blows my mind is how you don't have the largest group of republicans know, after spending the past couple of weeks with those school no never mind <laughs> well <laughs> they've been coming in droves to the bowling center well okay well do you want to borrow my gun <laughs> no, ray i like i don't i don't like jail i might but, but no that's a terrible joke they're horrible too soon. far too soon. well too maybe soon. by the time this airs <laughs> yeah. it won't be too soon but no it's you know the only news story in my adult life that i that i I've ever cried about with Sandy Hook. I mean, it's it's well, so, and I haven't seen much of this, and right? I probably would ball my eyes out because I, no, we we I joke, but it's it's a miserable fucking thing to see. But no, I the 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 thing that Republicans get wrong, and and the thing it's the same with abortion. I get that you don't like abortion. It's it's a horrible thought to think about abortion, but you should be lining up with ideas to help women not want abortion, not make it illegal. The same with with these shootings. Okay, we get it. You don't want the slippery slope of guns to be banned and outlawed. Fine. Where's your huge list, to reiterate Ray's point, of ways that we're going to deal with mental health in this country, how we're going to fund it? Look, we got money to fund a Ukrainian war. We've got money to get veterans off the fucking side of the interstate. We can do it if we want to. We just continue to choose not to. That's well, right. the, the problem is our NRA has a bigger lobbying budget than the whatever the mental health. And that's another part of it, right? Those yeah. senators are, well, I hate to use the term bought off, but they are. Well, they are. The they NRA makes very nice donations to Mitch McConnell's campaign, right? And then he's beholden to them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but uh, you know, it, it is, it, it is, uh, and I said that terribly tongue in cheek. But you know, Tommy, who Dave knows, my brother, he gave it up after. Sandy Hook. He said, look, you had 20 kindergartners slaughtered. If that doesn't change the dynamic in America, then you just have to learn to live with these mass shootings because they're just going to be a part of American society. What are you doing on your phone, man? Business? Who's on their phone? Jeez. Actually, I am. I've got a Bechtel Parsons coming to the radio station to voice a commercial and I've got to make sure he's scheduled in. Oh, nobody's there? Oh no, we've got a guy there. He's just uh, just getting prepped and getting everything on the prompter. Trying to do a podcast, Dave, and these kids are on their phones. What are you, you going to do with You've that? been fussing me about my phone for 20 years now. I fuss all. I th- well, you know, the you worst part is. But no, but you're I, right, right to your point. You're exactly right. And, and I don't know that, you know, we're all kind of middle of the road guys here, but middle left. I don't know that any of us wants to get used to kids being shot. Uh, and, and if there is a way that we can do better in mental health, and if there is a way, look, I want guns to be free, legal, and available to to, to good quality gun owners. But again, I don't, I'm not anti-training and 
making you know making sure we've got some parents signing some stuff at 18 years old fuck let's make it uh you know you can sign some papers at, at 24 25 on some of these ARAK things that, that people are buying you I don't know that's too well, what would be too early to get them but I just think there's a lack of common sense basically right. I have a I have a cousin retired police officer and during the uh toward the end of Obama's term I was with him and he was talking about how and and I apologize if I get the the colors wrong but AR15 bullets have the, the tips are painted different colors and the, for the different kinds of bullets and I believe they're green tip, but I could be wrong about that. Or armor piercing bullets or bulletproof vest. And there was some story out that Obama was, oh, you know, I, I always love but hate the way they say, Obama's going to ban. Well, Obama can't ban bullets. You know, the president can't just do that. Uh, he was going to ban green tips. So my cousin was buying up cases, like a thousand rounds at a time of these bullets. This is a man who made his entire career off wearing a bulletproof vest. And now he's out buying ammunition designed to shred that bulletproof vest. And I had nothing to say to him. I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. And my question to you two guys, you know, one of the big things I've seen on Facebook from my conservative friends since the shooting is every school needs armed, an armed guard. Well, my problem with that, and, and you tell me what the answer is, the last two major shooters, the one in the grocery store and, of course, the school shooting, there was an armed guard at both of those places who was shot. So, I mean, what good does that do if your job is to, I mean, he can't shoot every visitor. So if some guy walks up and (laughs) you know, you can't just shoot him. So you're, you know, sir, what are you doing here today? And then he pulls out a gun and shoots you. I don't know how effective just a dude with a gun is. Right. Well, and I think they've even taken it to another step now, get a retired military to volunteer and walk the halls. So now you're going to turn into, you know, Heathrow airport after Uh, September 11th. I I remember being there and it was, you know, guys walking around with M 16s. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It does just feel like there's more of a middle ground. Like the gun culture in America is so ingrained. You're never going to get rid of all of this stuff, It is, but there, there is some, some things you can do that, that would certainly make this less of a, annual situation. Right. And and both sides demagogue it. Uh, I mean, both sides absolutely demagogue it. And it's, it's a, the only, not that there's any, well, I shouldn't even say good. The only interesting part of one of those shootings is to watch the dichotomy that you'll see on Fox versus MSNBC, because MSNBC is just beating up the right for being so out of touch on this. And how dare you, Steve Kerr, Beto O'Rourke, et cetera, et cetera. And the right is on there talking about how dare they talk about taking our guns. And this is a mental health issue. And that's the way to deal with this. God dang it. He just, the ball does not get moved. Yeah. Sad, but true. Well, we killed an hour, fellas. Well, I was, I was wondering. No, uh, no time, Dave. Sorry. I done. listened to next your, time. Dave. Next time, Dave. <laughs> I listened to your show about the celebrity encounters. Oh, oh nice. Cool. I was wondering if I could sure. share a couple. Yeah, thanks so, for listening. We got a T-shirt for Dave. Absolutely. Don't you need know, to bring them this he, week. I do. They're right here. Oh, they they cool. do have a chainsaw oil on them from sitting in my garage. You bastard. So Just two of them. Oh. But Dave gets the chainsaw oil shirt. Oh, I, I, my, my shirt has a motor on right now. I'm just playing. Go ahead, Dave. So I used to travel a lot for work for a, a, a major uh, uh, department store. And I've spent a lot of time in New York and you can't be in New York without running into people. So I uh, grew up close to New York. Yeah, where, where at? Uh, Connecticut. Oh. So uh, <laughs> first of all, I went to the comedy cellar, which is a really, really famous comedy store sure. yeah. comedy in, uh, in the New York. village. And it was uh, Colin Quinn, uh, Jim Norris. And, and as soon as I started to say it, uh, Newton, um, then 
Daryl Hammond. Oh, Daryl Hammond. Oh, nice. The, uh, and, uh, the impressionist. Speaking of mental health issues. Yes. And, and, yes. And I, I'm gonna, book. This, I don't know if I can say something negative, but you all can cut it out, I guess. Oh, no. No, you say what you want. Colin Quinn was, was coked out of his head. Oh, wow. Nice. He was reading jokes off a piece of paper and just shaking, hand shaking, and just couldn't sit still. Wow. So. But Daryl Hammond made fun of me, which was really cool. That's <laughs> awesome. I had uh, I had on the shirt, a button-down shirt of work, some khaki shorts, and a pair of leather flip-flops. And I'm sitting right in front of the stage, and he says, oh, look at this guy. He, uh, he put his leather flip-flops on. He got, he got, <laughs> he got dressed up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. And, uh, I think it was the following week I was up uh, 60th Street, somewhere around there, and uh, 7th Avenue, somewhere I'm standing on the corner. There's really nobody around. It's like a residential area, so there's not a lot of people around. And Colin Quinn walks up next to me. And uh, we, I look over Still him. Still coked out? I, I he wasn't shaking as much. <laughs> Less but coked I, out? I look over at him. He looks at me, and I could see this look of disappointment. Like, <laughs> shit, he knows who I am. Ah, ah, ah. And uh, I recognized that. And so I just kind of nodded at him. He nodded back, and we walked on. That That's was a really funny. cool encounter. The other, the other cool one was um, I was walking near Times Square one time, and Penn from Penn and Teller walked out of a bank nice. and ran into me. Oh, that's funny. Uh, kind of, sorry, kind of patted me on the shoulder and got in a car. And, drove and your wallet out. was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's huge. He's like he's six, big seven. And Didn't you also run into Marty Short? I've seen him twice. That's uh, awesome. Once, uh, both times I was following him down the street. Once he was doing his, his one-man show on Broadway, and I just happened to be walking to my hotel and followed him. Um, and then another time uh, before his wife passed away, I walked past him and his wife. Yeah, that's very cool. Oh, the, and as the rain starts to fall, we, we've really got to throw up the rap sign. Oh, I may have to get out here. And All right. So you started. got you got something for uh, Bad Wolf, and I've got my joke. Did we let you finish, Dave? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Those are and, good stories. And, and they, that is really awesome. Yeah. I love celebrity stories. Yeah. And, um, we, and you listen. So we do a little comedy stuff. If you've got a joke you yeah, want to throw you out, you're more than welcome to pull to. out a joke as well. You can substitute for me if you got a favorite uh, go-to joke. I don't know if a joke I'm willing to say out loud. Oh, you can. Uh, that other people I know will hear me say. <laughs> Is everything dirty? You don't have one clean one? Because um, <laughs> the me, one I'm going to tell is dirty anyway. If so. you told me, I would have been prepared. No, I can't. Uh, okay, that's fine. Okay, so, and, and Ray, what, I'll let you finish because uh, mine aren't super funny. I just, uh, in honor of my doctor slash nurse practitioner, I got the top 10 craziest medical cures throughout history. And very often, I will actually embellish or sort of try to make these These are funny. actual genuine. These are actual genuine like medical cures throughout uh, the course of history. Number 10, leeching. Well, I, I know. I, I was going to say to you before you started, leeches. My dad, born in 1919, they put leeches on him. You'd bought them in the pharmacy, in the apothecary. I think Isn't they that still crazy? use them occasionally now. They probably Surgery. They still use them in plastic. Yeah. yeah. So leeches. Crazy. Uh, number nine, bloodletting. Oh, so yeah. that is when they just think you have bad blood and yes. let your blood out. Right. Now, isn't that, uh, didn't, didn't we have a famous president die from bloodletting? That I don't know. But it was uh, like Zachary Taylor, I think. Was it? Okay. He did. They went a little bit too much out. <laughs> they just yeah. let and all this. Here's an interesting fact about that. That's where barber poles come from. The red. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. They, barbers did this and they take their bloody rags out and wrap them around the pole to dry. Oh, shit. Yeah. Number eight. And this one kind of crazy, but also probably a good one of vibrators for women to cure hysteria. Mm. Probably going to put you in a better mood. Uh, number seven, uh, lobotomies, where wow. they just cut part of your brain out. You know, they still do those? Which is bizarre. One of the Kennedy daughters. Yeah. Wow. There's, uh, that's where the Special Olympics came from. So yeah. old Joe Kennedy, I know he wants to hurry because he's wearing It's um, not bad. It's just a drizzle, but the top uh, is down. He brought one of his daughters in, unbeknownst to his wife Rose, to for treatment. And they basically did a lobotomy. And she lived to be like 90 and was, you know... 
basically out of it. Yeah, that sucks. So number six, snake oil for arthritis. That was a real thing for a long time. The Chinaman, uh, the, I don't think you can say Chinaman China. still. <laughs> the the, the, the wow, wow, that was worse. <laughs> the, 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 we're, at the time, the Chinaman building the railroad is sort China of how out. it was phrased. I would not. Troy, can we edit? <laughs> no, I dislike Japanese folks, but Chinese folks are all right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so number five, cocaine for your toothache. Now that Colin Quinn may That's have had fine. a toothache. Yeah, maybe. That so. may have all been. Yeah, it may have yeah, been yeah, all it's it was. antique Coca-Cola. Yeah. yeah. Number four, heroin for your cough. Fine. That's probably a hell of a. Uh, I've never used heroin, but I feel like it may make and you, you not ha- cough. You, yeah, you have a cough, so there you go. Number three, shock treatments to cure impotence. Yeah, man. Oh, I don't know about impotence. I know about shock treatments. Yeah, well, well, I was... may know about impotence, but not relative to shock <laughs> treatments. Nice. Well, I'll send you over to my practitioner <laughs> when you leave. He's, he's got something for you. Uh, number two, uh, trepanation, which is drilling holes in your skull to release pressure. Man think i've heard of it It was the very this. first brain surgery i Oof, guess wow. we're just gonna drill i'd some- like to be that guy oh, so man. we're gonna try this, Dave. this is, we've got this idea god dang and the number one actual uh medical cure or i guess this one is sort of a, a medical condition that was called wandering womb that doctors believe the greeks believe i knew that girl <laughs> she was nice uh the greeks believed that the womb was separate creature from the woman and had a mind of its own and basically if you didn't fill it up with a baby that it would sort of go crazy and could like come up and strangle the woman like it really basically (laughs) yeah so kind of like you've got an alien womb that really needs some dick and if you're not getting it it's gonna go man that would be a great punk rock band name alien womb alien womb yeah Yeah, wandering womb or wandering so i'll apologize and say thanks to our sponsors all legit yeah those were all completely real so thanks to bad wolf gaming now not to be, not to put, you know, a downer note on it, but I often find myself thinking um, 200 years from now, may they look back at chemo treatment and hope to God by then it's gotten better. Because chemo treatment is pretty much the same as it was when they started it maybe in the 50s. They've gotten better at mitigating some of the side effects, but chemo's a rough treatment, well, there's, man. There's a, line, it's a rough treatment. there's a line in one of the Star Trek movies where they go back in time and Dr. McCoy is griping under his breath about the medieval practices of these people. And know. it's our time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The 80s, yeah. Yeah, right. Chemo's pretty rough. No, I always say that like... And that was brought to us by... Oh, as I said, and you stepped on it at the time, but our friends at Bad Wolf Gaming... I don't step on things. I always just wait my turn to speak. Okay. I must be somehow (laughs) deluded in that. So yeah, thanks to Dan and Nasa, our great friends at Bad Wolf Gaming for uh, all your support, and uh, hopefully a whole bunch of people hear this and run out and give you a bunch of money. And uh, Aaron, one more pitch for... Well, that's Pond. after your joke, right? Yeah. Have you ever been to Brewery Pond? No. It's the uh, no. old IGA building? Well, yep. yeah. it's funny you said it. It's, it's superior. Superior. For 30 years, it was superior. I actually lived behind it. Oh, okay. That's right. You live. Yeah, that's right. What street? Laurel Drive. Yeah. You still drive by, see your house when you come back to Bray? No. Oh, you don't? I don't care. You don't have that uh, little bit of nostalgia? No. Patty does it every time we're back in Jersey. Now, no. I don't have to drive by the house to, uh, that I grew up in because my brother still lives in it. Nice. <laughs> my, my, my the house. man has had one address, Drisden, for 58 fucking years. That's amazing. Now, there's some mitigating circumstances. Mom uh, died when I was 19. Tommy was 15. Dad remarried. So it's not like you know he's living with his parents, but he has lived at one address for 58 years. That's pretty fu- he, like Like he says, that's either cool or really depressing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so um, this marketing, uh, this uh, marketing group is is marketing this beer, and they bring in a bunch of people, and they want them to 
taste their beer and, and they'll come up with a slogan for the beer. And different people are tasting the beer. And this one guy says, uh, it's like love in a canoe. And the marketing guy is like, wow, love in a canoe. That is really poetic. We're going to use that love in a canoe. Man, you may have a future in this. How did you come up with a wonderfully poetic phrase like love in a canoe? He said, I took a sip of your beer and said, fucking near water. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're done. We had we do. We're brought to you by brought to you by Bria Pond. Thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Robin, yes, and all Aaron. the folks Robin. at Berea Pond. We appreciate what you do. And uh, if you're listening, you need a couch or a gun or something that you want to handle responsibly, please go see our friends at Berea Pond, 107 Clay Drive in Berea. They'll treat you great, as they do me nearly every week. If you want a T-shirt, let me know. We'd like to thank to Nate, uh, who yes. is in Paris, Paris, France right now, the Good bastard. Deal, man. So as he's living his best life, we're right here in Closer to Paris, Kentucky. Yes. Thanks, of course, to Troy, who uh, who makes this happen for us every week at Front Porch Studios. And uh, give, get a chance, please uh, review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Follow us on Facebook and let us know if you want to share. And thank you, David. Absolutely, um, Dave. Thanks, thank man. You. Thank you for letting me come next week. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.